0: welcome everybody to another episode of after further review with mark Ferrera, john pelkey jeff taylor our producer and on the board good show today for you uh we're going to do obviously our progressive trivia it's going to be a lot of fun i think it's gonna be a fun one Uh, We're going to talk some uh, social justice in the National Football League, which is sort of where we all think uh, the the first, you know, where where it all began on some level, if you think about it. And a lot of people uh, weighing in on that beginning. Yes, and also uh, the energy coming from the NFL, coming from high echelon levels of the NFL is pretty surprising at this point. We'll talk about that. We will talk, uh, we'll touch on the NBA and the NHL playoffs We'll um, do a little, um, you know, a little mourning, a little grieving about John Thompson. Johnny, I know that's close to your heart. Uh, yeah, uh, when John Leonard, Thompson we we're, we're not going to grieve over Leonard Fournette uh, being,
1: <laughs> But the John Thompson thing, yeah, as a kid growing up outside of Washington, D.C. cut D. from D. the Jag, uh, as a kid growing up in uh, outside of Washington D.C., in the well, I was there from the '60s to the '80s, but you know, through the '70s and '80s, I mean, John Thompson was ubiquitous in my life to the point when he used to coach at Georgetown, and you could walk up and buy a ticket a minute before a game and go and see. To the point where. People were scalping courtside tickets for four thousand dollars when they became the Georgetown that everybody knows. He's a he's a, a, a monumental figure in college basketball,
0: no doubt about it. And and his legacy goes far beyond what he did for those uh, Georgetown teams in the early eighties that went to three consecutive or three out of four, I believe, right, John? Three out of four, yeah. Uh, that, uh, NCAA finals, eighty two, eighty three, uh, and eighty five, I think.
1: Yeah, 82, 83, and
0: 85. 85 yeah. was the villain, was the Villanova. 82 was North Carolina. 83, they actually won it. Right. Correct. Okay. We'll right. also talk a little mythical t- trading deadline in uh, Major League Baseball. And, and Even
1: in a shortened season, there's yeah.
0: a mythical trading deadline. I, I love it. I absolutely
1: love it. <laughs> that was, it. that was probably the first thing on the table when they sat down. They went, all right, no matter how many games, there has to be a <laughs> mythical trading deadline.
0: <laughs> yes. There's no doubt about that. It's just hilarious is what that is. And, uh, we'll get, we'll do a little bit more, uh, promotion of the, uh, the Steagles coming up this Friday. And uh perhaps learning some fun stuff, learning I, some fun stuff. I love it. I love it. Uh, and um, I'm going to throw a little test balloon for th- something I'm thinking about for a deep dive in a couple of weeks. See see what you all think about that. Let me guess. Giants. <laughs> 49ers. No, no. Dons. <laughs> no, although that is a good one. That's actually the, a pretty good 55 one. 55 San Francisco Dons with Casey, uh Casey. Owens? No. Casey. Casey Jones. Casey Jones. What am I thinking? And Bill Russell, obviously. Yeah. Both of those guys. My father was a freshman.
1: I know that. That's why I I assumed you'd have Bob Ferreira on the show. We'd have actually the first deep
0: dive with a live guest. With a live supporter of the show, although Dad d- never never listens. No, so he he's like my
1: your dad might as well be my dad.
0: Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less about it. Hates the phone as well. Johnny's like you. Couldn't you know this? Thirty seconds into a phone call, it's like, are we done? Can we yeah. wrap it up? Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Yeah. What's I'll, the point? I'll never forget when I was doing the uh, I was doing a little speech for my uh, for my nephew Brian Winiger, who uh, was uh, you know a long time producer of this show at one point in time. After further review. And uh, I'm up there giving a, you know, giving a speech. Um, I just started, and from the back, from the peanut gallery, John Pelkey yells out, "Wrap it up!" <laughs> Seconds into the speech, hilarious. Well, you know,
1: economy of words. People, I understand. You know, talk less,
0: smile more. Yes, there you go. There it is, Jeff. First Hamilton reference of the day. <laughs>
2: so. Uh... First, we were just talking about how fun the Blue Jays are to watch. They just acquired Robbie Ray from the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, so they got what they They're need. That's, that's pretty good. That's a yep. good sign. They,
0: they and the Padres are making some serious noise prior to the mythical trading deadline, and we'll get into that as well. I was talking to Jeff a little bit earlier. He's healthy as a horse, John. Yeah. He's outside. He's working. He's improving on the house. He's getting sun. Yeah. He's losing weight. Okay. He's healthy, 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 happy, happy, happy. I am Probably, uh, I don't know, hundred and fifty degrees. Opposite of that, not quite one eighty. Mm-hmm. Probably one thirty-five to one fifty. How about you? Uh, I've uh, essentially
1: lost all hope, and <laughs> um, I've, okay. uh, I've decided to put on the weight I lost early in sure. uh, in, in this. You might as well enjoy the descent. Yes. Well, yeah, absolutely. Oh,
0: God. Go out with a bang, people. Sure. sure. Are you kidding sure. me? You know, again, again, if you don't end up, you know, in, in a curb, you know. Yeah.
1: In Baltimore somewhere. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid the Edgar Allan Poe. I don't want to die in a curb, uh, a Baltimore curb of <laughs> tuberculosis. That's where I set no.
0: the bar. That's the bar. You that know, out, the bar. outside of that, whatever happens to me, I'm sure I deserve. All right. Well, let's go to our progressive trivia first. Get the first four clues out the way, mm. as they say. I think, as some people say, look at that. So I'm not even going to deal with wow. the uh, with the transitions, John anymore. It's 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 okay. driving me too nuts. I get it. So here we go. Uh, we're looking for an NFL player, past or present. He had a 700 winning percentage. His first 38 plus games in the league. That's Mm. Quite good. Mm. No Pro Bowls. 80-plus career touchdowns. Threw for over 10,000 yards in college. So uh, first 38-plus games, that could be 40. That could be 41. It could be 38. It's roughly in that general vicinity. No Pro Bowls. 700 winning percentage, though, out of the gate. 80-plus career touchdowns and threw for over 10,000 yards in college. Those are our first four clues. All right. All right. So please, please feel free to guess. Feel free I to did. chime in.
1: I don't think it's right. But just, I'm actually get, basing my guess not on the clues, but just on the, the fact that I think I can read your mind.
0: Well, I like it. I like where you're going. Yeah. It's wrong. I, I, Robert, I thought it probably was, but you're ahead, heading Griffin. in that direction, aren't you? It very very well could be. Okay. Very well could be, John one. Yeah. <laughs> It, you haven't quite read my mind, but you're probably, you know, in the room yeah, where, where it happens, if you will. So, um, two. Yes, indeed. All right. So social justice in the NFL. I will say this, that over the last four or five days since the NBA staged their protest slash walkout, um, it is not Cordell Stewart also. Very, very fun. These are fun guesses. These are very good. Horribly underrated player, by the way. People forget how good. Cordell Cordell Stewart would be a fun would be a fun deep dive.
1: Yeah, I mean he the 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 I people forget how uh, different and how productive he was when he came along, and you wonder if a Cordell Stewart came along today with coaching staffs that are uh, more well prepared for that type of quarterback. Uh, you know, I think he would have been a perennial pro bowler, frankly.
0: Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, John, is that that's part of what the NFL is now. That's, you know, the 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 RPOs that are part, that that's a right. regular part of the playbook. Right. And you're right with with what coaches have done and offensive coordinators have done to incorporate that kind of style and make it a regular part of the NFL mm-hmm. mirroring, mirroring what happens on the college level quite a bit. Uh, you're absolutely right. He comes into the league now. A lot more success than he had, and they would probably have protected him a little bit more, and he would have, you know, he probably would have been a little bit more. Right. Um, my
1: guess, by the way, for people know, listening, I'm cautious. people listening, my guess, just in case they don't guess, it was Robert Griffin III. Um, I think
0: I said that out loud, but maybe I, I, don't, I, didn't.
1: I don't know if you did. But yeah, uh, you know, obviously injuries were part of it there, but he had just he was just on the cusp, uh, and and I think the Redskins were, uh, oops, I'm sorry, the Washington Football Team was uh, prepared to uh, to change their offense to fit some of his skill set, but I think the fact that um, uh, when he there was a backup quarterback in Washington uh, who st- still, I believe, signed the richest quarterback contract guaranteed money in history unless the Pat Mahomes when Patrick Mahomes passed that. So I Kirk think had has not been yeah. there. Yeah. If Kirk Cousins hadn't been there in Washington, you wonder if they would have not given up on the RG three uh, situation. Yeah. And a lot
0: of it was injuries and a lot of it happened. You know, a lot of it was exacerbated uh, in that playoff game against the Seahawks when yeah, uh, came back the too soon. Washington, Washington football team had a 14 point lead and probably, could have pulled him at that point in time, but I mean, that's all hindsight, but it is not Robert Griffin. Uh, the third, it is not Cordell Stewart. Uh, so we'll move on to what's happening in the NFL. And it's surprising, John, because teams are making statements. Mm -hmm. CEOs are making videotaped statements. Head coaches are making statements. The, the responsibility that the head honchos or the upper echelon, of the National Football League the the responsibility they're starting to take right now for a combination of reasons one realizing that they were really slow on the uptake when it came to Colin Kaepernick and two realizing that this is this is clearly a problem systemically and that these players are literally affected emotionally if not more so by all of this and that it is it is it is responsible team ownership. It is responsible team executive leadership to care, to, to unify, to speak as one. And they're doing it. That The Ravens yeah. come. And not only that, John, it's not platitudes. It's specific calls to action. Right. You know, the Ravens are not only talking about body cams. They're talking about, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about uh, having Mitch McConnell Bring up the policing act of 2020 that the house has passed. They're, they're talking about, uh, qualified immunity, ending that, uh, yeah, ban chokeholds, no knock warrants, the whole bit. They are specifically out there asking for these things. And at the same time, saying we highly, highly recommend that everyone is, is, is respectful. Yeah. And, um, and, and what's the word? Um, compliant. And, and they're saying everyone. It's right. not like, you know, obviously black fathers teach their black sons from everything we've heard to be compliant or die, essentially. But it's like, let's just all be respectful. Let's just all be compliant. Let's all support them. But let's all call for specific changes to what's happening because this racism is embedded. It's yeah. clearly embedded. And and we just saw Mark Murphy's statement. And I know you, for one, are impressed, not only because uh, of his statement, but because of his of his pedigree with your Washington football team.
1: Well, yeah, and you know, I'm you know, Mark Murphy was uh of safety for the Washington football team and he um he, you know, a guy who came out of Colgate and I really thought uh would would not be the sort of person necessarily and this is my fault for ascribing motive or 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 making a, a a decision about someone before I had all the information. Uh, but not, not a guy that I thought would embrace this to the extent that, uh, his statement showed that he did. And it did seem very, very, um, uh, sincere. And I think, you know, it's not, I, I don't want to, I'd like to step back for a second from just so heavily criticizing owners. And, in situations like this, the, the people who are in charge of large entities that make a lot of money are, of course, slow to move. They're having a great level of success. So I understand that. And I'm not, and I, and I think it is difficult to see outside of, of, of the bubble that you live in, whatever it is. I mean, Mark, you and I live in a central Florida performers bubble. That's the. Yeah. So there are things outside of that that you and I don't have a great grasp on. Um, and I think a it's time
0: kind of collapsing, fading away. <laughs> right. right. We should say we
1: again. used to live on a perform. Now we just live in a central Florida bubble. There's no longer performing involved for us. But um, the uh, so it, it's not on. It's not an uncommon occurrence. We've seen it before. I've done a good deal of work on my deep dive. And there's a part about in the beginning of one of the books that I'm reading about um, the Steagles of 1943 that talks about African-American players and uh, the ownership at that time and how slow they were to move on certain things. So I I think that's something that is, is a very, very common thing. I, I think what is uncommon to your part, point, Mark, is not people calling for social justice because, you know, it's you it's easy to call for anything um, on in the media, on television, on Facebook. Wherever, but the specific things that they are are talking about, showing that, A, they're educated as to what some of the issues are and that they they realize that it can't just be, you know, this is us out here protesting Um, understand who we are and what we want and and do all of it no they're saying okay we're out here protesting because we need to keep everybody's mind focused on this because we all have a 10 second span of attention in 2020
0: what were we just talking about
1: i know i know i've i've lost the thread i don't even know um but that keeps people's eyes on the prize but then also saying okay now that you're watching here are the things that we need to address let's Let's take these things one one at a time. To your point, maybe banning chokeholds, talking about over militarizing the police and any number of these issues, whatever they are and whatever position you have on them, discussing them now rationally and listening to what each other saying about it is where we is where we've landed. And that's where we have to be and where we have to move from if we hope to make
0: any changes. And uh, owners like Jeffrey Lurie as well are commenting about the sea change he is seeing with other NFL owners. They are looking at this, they're seeing it for what it is and they want to do something about it. And the Mark Murphy stuff was just, was just terrific. Mark Murphy talking about the history of the Packers, even Vince Lombardi way ahead of the curve, way ahead who would go to, who would go to businesses, go to businesses in green Bay and say, if you're, if you're discriminating against my black players, I am going to tell. I'm going to make sure the entire team does not yeah, yeah, patronize they won't bring your business. business. Well, that was the great story about. They uh, won't Jack- do it. That was the great I story love about that. That's the kind of power
1: uh, about what Jackie Robinson did when he was in the minor leagues. They talked about how Jackie, who, uh, who had, you know, first of all, he Jackie Robinson was a man. You, you mess with Jackie Robinson. He was. He was. Uh, uh, he, he was not going to be pushed around and they were traveling through the south uh when he was in the negro leagues and if they pulled into a gas station to fill up their bus with 90 gallons of gas and the attendant said you can't use the restroom he'd pull the gas uh thing out of the out of the uh gas nozzle out of out of the bus and say all right then you're not going to sell this x amount of gas and uh He is credited actually with having (laughs) integrated gas stations along the lines that those buses traveled because, you know,
0: again I mean that was money. Follow that was nine dollars that that gas station attendant was losing.
1: But <laughs> nine dollars was like half of a week's salary.
0: That's true. Yeah. That is it's rent. It's so, rent for the month back in so, nineteen you know thirty.
1: And right. I think and I think the the one thing that we're seeing the one thing that we always have to remember is that commerce drives almost everything. And follow the money. And uh, what these you know and I know that people who have been against the boycotting and and don't believe that it's solving any purpose and that they did themselves harm and there are all kinds of positions on this, but withholding your labor to prevent someone from profiting is a time honored way to bring attention to problems. And it is as American as it's more American than apple pie. I'm relatively certain that apple pies occurred elsewhere in the world prior to this country. And if they did in this country, Native Americans did it first and they should get the credit.
0: There it is. Well,
1: that is American then. It is. It Why? is. But that's not the American they're talking about. They're talking true. about George Washington making a pie and going, hey, I put yeah.
0: apples in this crust. Shit, this is working. God bless America. <laughs> uh, so l- Joe Connolly makes a nice point, And I was going to bring this up as well, that the NFL is doing what the NBA is doing, which is making s- stadiums. Areas around the stadium, polling places as well. Jeffrey Lurie is going to make Lincoln Financial a polling place. And Mark Murphy is going to make, what's it called, Johnsonville Tailgate Village. Apparently that's a very famous village. What the hell is that? I think there's a Johnsonville sausage or whatever. Well, yeah, Johnsonville brats. Yeah, yeah, bratwurst.
2: Come on, Mark. Come on. (laughs) And so
0: there it is. He's such a a West Coast elitist. (laughs) In Green Bay. Well, no, I'm, I'm just assuming that that's what it is for the tailgate what do they call the tailgate? Uh, yeah,
2: but the name Johnsonville is synonymous village. with only one kind of meat, and it is not sausage.
0: Okay, sausage brats. bratwurst, brat brats, just brats, Mark. Brats. Good God! Whatever.
1: Oh I mean, really? God. What? I mean, have mysteriously? A, have a Chardonnay. Have a
0: Chardonnay. Good Lord! <laughs> but they're gonna make that Johnsonville Brat Village. Yeah. Uh, a poll, a tailgate. It's a tailgate area, a, a polling place. Well, and, I think and, they
1: need to advocate for the after further review. All all members of the after further review team saying, let's just make election day a holiday and get this shit over with, so we can so that we can just move on from that. So there we go. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, you're you're seeing more and more of that. But I I, I really do believe that uh, and voting, I believe, is the most important thing when it comes to social justice. But I also do believe that uh, for the NFL and they've had time now, they have the benefit of having seen other sports that were up and running um, what they're doing. They have uh, they now have the time and I believe I'm seeing the inclination to, as you pointed out, approach. The actual system uh, problems within the system that need to
0: be addressed and, in some manner. And as Mark Murphy points out, the people mo- be- most in position to do that are wealthy, white, privileged owners and CEOs and high executives in this thing. Mark Murphy says, listen, yes, it's not just incumbent upon African-Americans to change this. Right. It's also incumbent upon white people, especially powerful white people, privileged white people. And this is the CEO of the Green Bay Packers bringing up Vince Lombardi, bringing up the fact that the team is going to visit with the governor, of Wisconsin, with the majority leader of the assembly in the Wisconsin legislature. And he's just calling on all all the owners to get behind all of this. And start supporting the players in this way because it's imperative. I mean, he essentially laid it out like it's an imperative yeah. to do this kind of thing. And I haven't seen that, John, from ownership or from high executive positions in the National Football League this entire time. I have never seen that until basically this weekend. No, and I think the and players I think it's it's highly noteworthy. The
1: players are doing a great job, um, I think um it, making management aware of how important this is to them. I, I'm always reminded there was an interview with uh, Bowie Kuhn, feel free to boo, um, many, many years ago. And it was back during the free agency, the Kurt Flood era. And decisions had been made against, for, Kurt Flood lost his court case of, and it cost him his career. Uh, that was taken care of in 76 with Mr. Smith and McNally. But I remember there was an interview with Bowie Kuhn who, and he, what he said was, and I just thought the wording of this was so interesting, and it gives you insight into where the owners uh, generally are. And he said, you know, we don't deny the players important place in the game. I'm sorry? We don't deny the players important yeah. place in the game. Uh, Bowie, th- the players are the game. Yeah. You know, as 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 happy as I am for what Mark Murphy said, not going to not going to buy a ticket to see the 62 year old CEO of the Packers play. Not going to buy a ticket to see Jeffrey Luria play, though. If you had all the owners have to play a pickup game, mm, I'd be in for that. Um, so I, I, I think that often the owners overstate their importance. Obviously, they own the teams. It's It's their business. But you know the the old adage that nobody ever bought a ticket to see an owner uh, unless it was to throw shit at Donald Sterling yeah, is 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 true. And I think the players are doing a really really good job. And I think the vast majority of the players have shown a great deal of um, um, gravitas in the way that they've approached this. I, I, I think they 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 know the issues. They're uh, I mean, obviously not to a man. You're always going to have. Uh, rogue people on, on all sides, but I think they have done a great job um, addressing the shut up and dribble crowd.
0: I agree. I agree. Mark Murphy even brings it up. He says, I hear from a lot of fans that say, just stick to sports.
2: Sports has always says,
1: been on the front lines of, uh, except there are some notable exceptions. The Vietnam War really being at the top of that list, you didn't see as much Uh, Opposition to the Vietnam War um, within the ranks of players, either in the AFL or the NFL outside of Muhammad Ali,
2: Ali, big.
1: Right. But I'm just saying like team sports. I'm talking about like football and baseball. You didn't see that like you're seeing teams band together today. It's very easy to uh, to wipe away. An athlete, and they certainly tried to do it with Ali and just push him to the side. But when you have, you know, large groups of people getting together in agreement with what the issues are, it's much more difficult. It's they, much more difficult.
2: They put him in jail.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: they did. Yeah. Took away, his, away put him in jail. Yep. Took away his crown. Uh, they did everything they could and could not keep him down. And they very well not- may have had uh, uh, may have had an impact
1: on the team sports guys that were playing. In, yeah. the, in the 60s. But Mar- Murphy
0: 70s. says, Murphy says, you know, I'm sorry, with all due respect, that's not how we view it. Sports has led the way oftentimes. We talked about Jesse Owens a few days ago. Obviously, Jackie Robinson comes up all the time. Muhammad Ali. It has happened throughout our history in sports that oftentimes that has been the harbinger for social change. And yeah. that's what he's talking about. He says it's not even a racial issue, it's a societal issue. It is a societal issue, and that's where let's, – let's, let's go back. Let's go back 40,000 feet, and this is – we're all in this damn thing together. Yeah. I mean, can we not see that? We're all in it together, and we see the injustice. Let's all do something about it, oh, by the way, as respectfully as we can. With understanding everyone's point of view, All and right, I think we
1: go. have to, and I think we also have to start to look at politicians on both sides of the of the aisle, um, and say we are going to reject those who divide us. We can have differing opinions, but we're going to re- reject division on both sides from anyone. Because to your point, if we don't do this together, if we have one one group, one, one race doing everything and the other not doing anything. And it doesn't matter which race you're talking about. We are not going to get where we need to be, which is a more. uh, And again, we've said this society with better justice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Uh, by the way, uh, Joe Connolly had a guess uh, on the the uh, on the progressive. And it's not
0: a bad one, actually. We'll we'll go back to the progressive. And it's a it's a good guess, but it's wrong. Ty Detmer is who Joe Connolly guessed. We've got a Cordell Stewart, a Robert Griffin III, and a Ty Detmer in. These are the first four clues. 700 winning percentage. His first 38-plus games in the league. No Pro Bowls. 80-plus career touchdowns. Through for over 10,000 yards in college. Next set of clues are these. He was a thirties something draft pick. Late first, early second. Not drafted in the the 30s. He's a thirties something draft pick. Meaning he was picked in the 30s, sacked 170 plus times, double-digit postseason touchdowns, and played with three head coaches. So a 30-something draft pick, late first, early second, your guess, sacked 170 plus times, uh, double-digit postseason touchdowns, and played with three head coaches. We have another guest coming in, and it is not Kurt Warner. It's not Kurt Warner. All right. So here we go. Let us, uh, commence now with our next topic, which is NBA, NHL playoffs. I've been, I've been on the Flyers bandwagon just this postseason, just cause I chose to do that because that's what I do every postseason. And it looks like they're, uh, their end. Is I know. Mine. And I'm
1: all Islanders right now. I am all Islanders. Yeah. They're looking I want good. Barry Trotz and the Islanders to hold the cup up at the end of this thing.
0: Well, it's interesting. The Islanders, uh, will have something to do with the deep dive. I'm, thinking about a little bit later. We'll talk about that. But, yeah, they're up three to one. And uh, the uh, Lightning, I believe they're up three to one as well. They're yep. they're really taking care of Boston at the moment.
2: I'm still wi- – not. Nah, that's the one I'm still willing to, to go with Boston on that one because so far right. I'm right across the board. I just uh, – that Boston-Tampa is keeping me down.
0: <laughs> there it is. Right. There it is. Uh in the NBA obviously the Lakers and the Clippers have moved on. We all thought that was going to be the case. Denver Utah tied at 3, which is a little surprising. Yeah, that's that's
1: a fun series
0: too. It it's turned that out to be a, a fun That is a really
1: series. really fun series.
0: The last you, couple of games anyway that I've watched have been great. No, they they have been. Houston uh Oklahoma City is also pretty fun. Houston's up in that one. We've got Boston that has moved on obviously, Toronto that has moved on and um and I guess Miami, obviously, has moved on as well. Miami's playing Milwaukee, and Boston and Toronto are playing already at the moment. So, it's going to be interesting in the East. Who do you think comes out of the East, Jeff?
2: That's tough. I uh, I I want to say Toronto, but I feel like my heart is getting into that a little bit. Uh, Milwaukee's the, the sexy pick.
0: Sure, the, the team to beat, the best team in the league, really, the...
2: You know, I don't really time MVP. I, I don't really feel that way, though. I don't feel like they're a team that is put together as well as other teams. I feel like they are a one dimensional team. And I think they actually got worse in the offseason because they lost uh, Brogdon and uh, another player who whose name escapes me. But they're not they're not as good as they as they were last year. And they weren't that they they weren't good enough to, to get past Toronto last year.
0: No, they weren't. They were not good uh, enough to get to the finals.
1: But don't you see them? Don't I'm just looking at narratives. And don't you see dropping that first game to Orlando and everybody is like, oh, oh Weirdly. yeah, they've been exposed. That is the classic story where everybody's waiting to dump on them and does, and now... If, well. if,
2: if you're going by history, though, that means they're going to win it all because that's exactly yeah, that's what, what, what the I mean. Raptors did last year. They lost game one to Orlando, and everybody was talking about them being done. And, yeah. the- and but that there's happens-
1: always the, these situations where a favorite loses a game, you know, a questionable fa- Let's say a questionable favorite loses a game early and everybody's looking for reasons. We're all looking for reasons why the Lakers aren't going to get there. And well, and it just, I see that with Milwaukee and I agree. I don't think they're a great team. I picked them just because I didn't think Toronto was going to repeat. And I think Milwaukee's a good team, but uh, it just, it just seems to play into the narrative that we see. We were like, everybody will go, oh, oh, there it is. Yep.
0: There. There they are. They've been exposed. Haven't been exposed. Boston's pretty sneaky. I like Boston. I'd love to see Boston sneak out of the East.
2: They are a a better team than is Milwaukee, as is Toronto. I mean, when you lose a guy like Kawhi Leonard and you're still this good, obviously he was a peg. He he was a cog in that machine, but they clearly have a strong machine to lose him and continue to have success. No
0: doubt about it. In the West, do you still like Utah, Jeff?
2: Well, I, I picked them in the beginning of the season, so I am going to stick with them. Uh, I It's hard not to, though, because they they are playing a team that that had hopes and, and they're they're hanging with them. And I'm not a big I'm not a big uh, Clippers guy either. I just I feel I feel kind of the same way about them. I don't think that they're as good a team. You saw guys that used to score a lot more that aren't scoring as much with Kawhi Leonard added added to the mix, and I I feel like they're not they're not as well put together as as a as a Utah is. So I'm gonna stick with Utah. Yeah.
0: I like the Lakers, obviously, John. Yeah. I uh, I, I think Doc Rivers is a bit of a clam of a head coach. Sorry uh and uh i just think that the lakers will find a way to adjust to whomever they're playing and make it work from that point of view they de- they do seem to be a team that steps up when they need to and then and then knows how to and then knows how to close it out yeah, not no, just I, with this series but with the with the whole regular season right it looked like that and i think this i think it could be a pretty special year for for the lakers in that sense
1: I think, you know, and I, I think I, I, I'm i like Jeff. When I said the Clippers early on, which I did, I think part of that was my heart because I do like Doc, even though he's had, you know, obviously a little questionable postseason uh, record. Um, and I don't think that they're playing as well as, as they have in the past. Um, my, right now, the, the team that I kind of feel like could really sneak in and surprise everybody is is the Rockets. Well, I agree with that. I and do they're going to be with tested that. with Oklahoma City. They they're are. They're going to be tested in that series.
0: They are, and that's uh, Houston will cause some problems. I think Houston's been pretty hot in the bubble as well, and Westbrook's back, and it should be fun. We'll see what happens. It's, it's a lot of fun. Who do you like coming out of the West in hockey? You like, um, you like Vegas? No.
2: I don't like Vancouver.
1: <laughs> the Canucks, I like Vancouver. Johnny? I don't like Vegas, though. They're going to beat Vancouver.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but you like the Canucks.
1: I do. I do. I like the Canucks, but it's just they're they're just not uh, they're just not putting it together. They I, I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know why. Vegas, w- w- I, I still don't understand. I don't understand. You were an expansion team. You got it. makes no sense to me. It's,
2: I, it's clearly dirty. It's clearly it's clearly something that should never have happened. They they shouldn't have been given such an opportunity to put together such a great team. They've had weird ability to bring in veteran stars I don't understand. Maybe they're just a well-run
0: on. organization. It's like Carolina <laughs> I and assure Jacksonville. You, I assure you. A year you, after their expansion, they were both in the championship I game. I assure
2: you that they are not a well-run rep, uh, organization because I, unless the guy learned from his many, many mistakes, I've seen what George McPhee does with an organization. <laughs> It's not that they're run that well. They, they, had, they were able to pick up stars. It, w- it was how that whole expansion draft was done, is that people were able to put up their big contract uh, stars to let them get away. Vegas was able to field a team that was a winner from day one, which I don't mm. think an expansion team should be able to do. I think you need to build a team. But uh, hockey wanted success in Vegas, and they got success in Vegas. So, uh, Follow the money. Yeah.
1: It's more you, profitable for the league in the end. Uh, but to answer your question, Mark, if you just jump back to answer your question. Uh, I like Dallas. Do you In the way I do, I yeah. do.
0: Um, I yeah. don't want to see him win. I have got a soft spot for the Stars. I and do not, not have, I like the Minnesota North Stars. Well, no, that's the reason why I don't have a soft spot for them because they left. They left Minnesota, and that truly broke the heart of Minnesota hockey fans. And I know this for a fact. I lived up there for four years. I know Carl, one of my best friends, is a diehard fan. His heart was broken. The Wild has not repaired the heart, (laughs) partly because the name is idiotic in his mind. It's like, what the heck? The, The colors, the design, everything about it's wrong. Uh, jersey sweater but it you know they dropped the north obviously and now they're the stars it just it seems bastardized like everything else in Dallas.
2: although it, although you know what though dallas the stars actually it's the it's the best transition uh team move name of all time because that's a uh, synonymous with uh texas already and, and, yeah. yeah and the lone star state
1: and the Lone star
0: state yeah. although right. they should be called no, although I, I they should agree. be called As the dallas stars
2: they should be the Dallas star.
0: Yeah. As as opposed to Utah jazz or even the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, Minneapolis makes sense. Yeah. Obviously new Orleans jazz makes sense, but yes, those, those the are Los le- Angeles less Lakers, successful than the Los the Angeles Lakers right.
1: should, uh, there should be a question mark at the end of Lakers. And then it would make sense. The Los Angeles Lakers. Cause it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Inexplicably Mark, because I'm opposed to oh. Dallas on moral reasons. Yeah. As as any good American would be. Sure. Um, I have a soft spot for both Absolutely. the Stars and the Mavericks.
0: Nope. I, I, I have a soft spot for Mark Cuban. And I love sort of Rick Carlisle
1: because I used to hang out with him at UVA.
0: The, so. Yes, you, you like Rick Carlisle. I have a soft spot for Rick Carlisle because you know, of his connection to you. And I li- have a soft spot for Mark Cuban, but that's where it ends. Never, <laughs> never cared for Dirk Nowitzki.
2: The the No never trusted
0: that guy. Are you kidding me?
2: I feel like the Mavericks were trying to court me because we have streaming cable and so the commercials are all wonky. And for about three weeks we were getting Dallas Mavericks promotional commercials on every ah, channel we watched. That. And by by the end of it, the, the commercial would start. My wife and I would both go, go Mavs.
0: <laughs> that that would that would get the commercial off off of your Off of your streaming, because, you know, Cuban, you know, he's all over that AI stuff. You know, he's on the front lines and he's figured out how to infiltrate. All right. We've got some other guesses. It's not Kellen Moore. It's not uh, Russell Wilson. It's not Derek Carr. Let's go back to our progressive trivia and see if anyone can continue to do this. Let's revisit the first eight clues and then give you the last four. 700 winning percentage out of the gate. First 38-plus games in the league. No Pro Bowls, however. 80-plus career touchdowns. Threw for over 10,000 yards in college. Next set of clues, he was a 30-something draft pick. Not in his 30s, not in the 1930s, but late first, early second. I I didn't know how to to phrase it, John. Sacked 170-plus times. Double-digit postseason touchdowns, which is impressive. Played with three head coaches. Final four clues coming up played with Colt McCoy and Reggie Bush, over 2000 yards rushing for his career, NFL playoff record 4 and 2 and had a 165 winning percentage in his last 24 games. So, there you go. This should this should open up. This should open up the floodgates a little bit. Wow. Yeah, how about uh, that? How about that, folks? All right. How about that sports fans by definition? All right, let's go to our potpourri segment. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, John Thompson and his uh, remarkable legacy. Uh, we talked about the fact that he brought the Hoyas to three out of four NCAA finals, 82, 83, and 85. Lost, obviously, to Michael Jordan and James Worthy in 82. Oh, lost, poor Freddie Brown. Lost in that an inexplicable game against Villanova. Uh, they shot 82% from the field, it, that, I think. That's what I 82%. mean. 82%. It's, it's inexplicable. You, or something that, like that. That is, yeah, I think it was over 70. I think yeah, it I think it was,
1: it was 70, 70. 77% or some ridiculous
0: amount. That Just is nuts. And they that, won by, and they lost by two. Yeah, 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 yeah. And
1: uh, those guys were so familiar with each other. That was one of the great, it, it, that's the, um, my favorite sports memory with my dad is watching that is watching that game. And my dad wasn't even a college basketball fan, but you know, to see Gary McClain, up and down every possession break the georgetown press and uh you know in patrick ewing in the great documentary they have on it, and he's like look you know we he, he laid out their statistics and what and he's like somebody shoots that percentage from the field and there's just nothing you can do but i think it is also you know the the one thing you don't want to see in a national championship game is a team where four of your five starters have seen four of your five start four of their five starters have seen four of your five starters like 14 times over the last three years. True. It's just at a point, you know what the other team can do, and uh, Villanova knew what it would, knew what it had to do to keep it close with Georgetown, and then they shot 70-plus percent in the game. So, still one of the my favorite moments in sports ever. And yeah. I love John Thompson and I love Georgetown, but they underperformed in national championship games. They
0: really did. They really did, and of course, they didn't get there in 83, and that was, of course, the big miracle year with... Uh, um, North Jim Carolina Delvano, State. Yeah. yeah, North Carolina State. So
1: what if else? Have... They been they were a little bit. I just let me just uh,
0: defend them a little bit. They were a little bit unlucky.
1: They had the ball in their point guard's hands with enough time left to win against North Carolina, and Freddie Brown inexplicably, you know, throws the ball to I believe James Worthy uh, as opposed to one of his own players. Um, and uh, and then they lose to a team that shoots, you know, seventy whatever percent from the field in a game so you they were awfully unlucky too when you talk about you know we talked about the Minnesota Vikings and uh how unlucky yeah. they were to come up against yes. the Miami Dolphins the uh, yeah. and the Pittsburgh Steelers Oakland sure as well a great team but they they came up against some of the great teams of all time and Georgetown just was a little unlucky
0: they were a little unlucky as were the Vikings but at the same time when it mattered most they didn't play their best we have to admit that both in north carolina and with villanova i mean i'm sorry yes they're they're, they're yes they're shooting that kind of percentage but do something you know do something to well, knock off their rhythm
1: back off the press on gary mcclain get your defense set don't you know you could just kept thinking you could break him down and uh you know i guess mcclain swears he wasn't gacked up for that game but uh he uh He's the, he's the MVP of that game for a reason. Yeah. Because he was really the they, – they never could solve that. They couldn't limit the trips down the floor for Villanova.
0: Um, and, what, and what a great presence, too, in the game, in at the school, yeah, in that area. The legacy he left, his son, you know, is a head coach. It's what John the, – the players he affected – including yeah. Patrick Ewing
1: who Alan Iverson uh, in his speech at the Hall of Fame just saying you know he saved my life and if you look at Alan Iverson was recruited by every single college in the country for football and basketball people forget Alan Iverson was the high most highly recruited quarterback or one of the two or three most highly recruited quarterbacks in college in uh, in high school um, and then the incident that happened with him the bowling alley I'd google it look it up um, it was uh, boy when we talk about social justice issues. Um, everybody else backed off of him. And I guess Iverson's mother went to talk to John Thompson. John Thompson gave him a, a chance. And it should be pointed out that John Thompson gave chances to a lot of guys where people said, Hey, he has no right to be Michael Graham. He shouldn't be going to Georgetown, one of the great, uh, universities of, of the world. And, uh, John Thompson brought him in and made sure that they went to class. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I got a lot of respect for John Thompson. Hard to believe first African American coach to win a national championship. And it didn't happen until, you know, 1980, what four? four. Yeah, four, 1984. Yeah. Um, he was, uh, he was a giant, uh, and uh, in many ways. And, uh, I always remember John Thompson. There was a, there was a round table talking about racial issues years and years and years ago on ESPN. And I believe Dean Smith was on, who was very, very good on that too, uh, on, on race issues. That um, hack. And no, Dean Smith was not in no, any way, not at all the hero. I, uh, I'm, I'm joking, in case you can't hear it on. The may podcast. not be joking. Mark hates Dean Smith. <laughs> no, Why actually... do you hate Dean? Hi! can you hate dean smith i tell you i'd take all dean smith haters lock them in a meat locker and just drown them like fish wait a minute fish can't drown lopes there's a low line drive that just gets past the third basement um but uh dean smith made a comment i think it was dean smith and i hope i'm getting this correct who said something about um you know uh when uh, an African American player comes onto campus. You know, we, we tell them, you know, you really have to mind your P's and Q's, and you really have to be exemplary. And John Thompson took issue with that and said, "Why? Why would you do that to him if you're not doing it to the rest of your players? That should be the line for all players." And uh, and he was right. He was right that that's that slow that that kind of and 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 Dean Smith was far from a racist or a yeah. harboring racist. Thoughts, But that 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 is, again, we learn with a more tuned ear to hear the uh, the problems with a statement like that. And John Thompson was way on top of that stuff.
0: So Leonard Fournette's been released by the Jags. Mm -hmm. They just traded one of their best defensive linemen to the Vikings yesterday Mm -hmm. or the day before. Fournette had a good year. In yeah. his third year, he had not didn't have a great year last year. I mean the year before in eighteen. He was a little banged up. His rookie year he had a very good year, over a thousand yards. Last year, I think sixteen hundred yards total, because I think he led the team in running and in receiving. Oh, by the way. He's only twenty five. Yeah. I guess he's accused of being a, a bit of a pain, a bit of a headache. But is is this is this just Jacksonville tanking? Or or does Fournette, you know, they say they tried to trade him and there were no takers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want a guy like Fournette for even well, just goal line situations?
1: I think, Mark, it just illustrates how devalued the running back position in the NFL has been. I mean, I think some of Fournette's issues, and I, th- I, I read that he had um, the second lowest yards from – scrimmage uh average was like 3.85 yards a carry or something like that to Carlos Hyde. He was the the next worst guy. Now that's a little con- because it's a little bit of a false statistic because if you take all of the guys who've had the requisite number of carries, the difference between the top and the bottom is not that much. But to your point, he was the leading runner and receiver on that team because they didn't have a lot of offensive weapons. And um i don't blame that all on him he had he is considered a bit of a diva or a difficult personality running backs most people feel you know it's a little bit of a money ball situation with running backs mark what we're looking for is to recreate him in the aggregate we don't need we're we're not going to find eddie george we're not going to find you know you don't find Ladanian Tomlinson's very often or, you know, obviously I'm old and I won't mention anyone who's a who's a current player, but you don't find those guys very often, but you can kind of create them in the aggregate with a couple of guys.
0: That's what the Niners did last year. I mean, that's what most is, teams are doing. Yeah. They Feature had three are
1: a thing of the past.
0: And so you're right. Run. I mean, maybe it's just, you know, who, who needs it? Who needs it at this point in time? Right. We, we can get, we can get that kind of production with three guys or with two guys and if we can get that same kind of production and keep our, oh, by the way, salary cap down. Right. Because we don't have to pay any of those guys that much money, relatively speaking.
1: And you're not overworking either of those guys. So you don't no, have so, a situation where you get a guy by the by the playoffs. And how many yes. s- we have seen this with running backs? By the playoffs, now they're just, you know, 400 carries into the year. Exactly. You don't have to do that. No, And it, it, you can use, you, you don't have to find a guy with a skill set. That uh, is, you know, you may out of the two guys, you may have one guy who's much better uh, between the tackles. One guy who's much better going around the end. uh, One guy who's better catching the ball out of the backfield. You don't find one guy who's good at all of those things. You can you can recreate that in the aggregate. I've used that phrase more times than I should have, and I won't use it again. Um, But that I, I think it says more about that than it does Leonard Fournette. That they, the the running back position, the feature back position, yeah. is almost gone, and the running back position has been devalued.
0: All right, what's your latest guess, John? It was uh, Dante Culpepper. Yeah, that's incorrect. Uh, yeah. Joe Connolly did get it right. He finally got it right, and uh. Uh, <laughs> congratulations! So, see you were see with Robert Griffin the third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, were, yeah, yeah. You were in the room. You and were I in didn't. the room.
1: I didn't use, it was just, I'm, i I'm, I'm ashamed. I
0: feel yeah. shame. I, mean, I feel shame. For me? Are you kidding me? Yes. I mean, this is, this is pretty much. After
1: I accused your next deep dive of being the San Francisco Dons of the 1950s. Although that's a
0: good suggestion.
1: <laughs> that is a good, good
0: suggestion. Damn it. I've
1: created a monster.
0: All right. So our mythical trading deadline, we've talked about Toronto and San Diego being uh, very, very active. San Diego picked up Nolan from, I think, Seattle and they picked up Rosenthal from Kansas City among many other pickups that they've gotten they are they are loading up for this run they feel good and and they've been a team on the come for a while uh they've sort of disappointed actually in the last couple of years because people thought okay this young talent's going to finally blossom and it looks like it's starting to in this truncated season we've used that word far too often uh and it's exciting i i know i'm a a Giants fan, and I know you know, you should root for everyone in the Western division. You should root against them all. But I have a soft spot for the, the Padres a little bit. My sister and my uh, brother-in-law both live in San Diego, and uh, they love the Padres. They go to PNC Park all the time. I would like to see. Now, the Dodgers are just running away with everything. They are a true juggernaut, but they were last year. Mm-hmm. Jeff, you bring up the Nationals being bad at this point last year and how they made a run. Well, the Dodgers last year, throughout the entire year, were the best team in Major League Baseball, by far. And they're the best team in Major League Baseball, by far, this time around. And we will see. They have had a um, a really unfortunate postseason record. And I, I try not to say that with any glee. I try not to say that with... Well, you're Anything. failing if
1: that's what you're trying to do. Let me just say <laughs> for the sort record. Any sort you you of can't tongue. say you can't do it this way. And I'm sorry for the podcast. You can't go, I try to say that without any glee. And you look as gleeful as I've seen you since February when you had a job.
0: Yes. Yes. That's the most gleeful you've ever seen me since <laughs> I've, you know, realized the the dark dark future. Dream that's is over for Mark Ferreira. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna enjoy the ride down, John. Why not? Just enjoy the ride down. Hey, think, so, of, it, think of it as a bobsled what? run. The the ride up, people are talking about uh,
1: the ride up to the top of the bobsled run. Yeah, God, oh, my God, I'm afraid over height of heights. But, man, you get on, you just start speeding towards the bottom, despite the fact that at the bottom there is a brick wall that's on fire with iron spikes headed your way and people tossing grenades at you in case that doesn't take care of you. <laughs> it doesn't matter because the ride's going to be fun. Yes, indeed. Just that's... the endless days of gin-soaked, Oh, barroom queens.
0: And and, uh, I mean, I mean, who doesn't want gin-soaked barroom queens? Well, if they don't, I don't want to be a part of them.
1: (laughs) Jeff raises his hand. Yes, of course you want a gin. Close the door so your wife can't
0: hear this. Everybody wants a gin-soaked barroom queen. Especially in Memphis. Yes. All right. So. I'm happy about the I'm happy about the Padres. We'll see what happens with the Dodgers. I'm happy about the I, I'm happy about the Blue Jays as well. I I think those kind of teams are going to add a lot of excitement to the postseason this year.
1: I have a question and I think Jeff can uh, My question is what are the Atlanta Braves going to do? Because they have they've all they've been really really conservative in the acquisition of free agents. I think they're 3 games up on the Marlins who if they just didn't have to play games uh, they'd be in first place at this point. Um, but the lower echelons of the Braves uh, farm system are they don't have people ready to, to bring up the, the AAA guys, they've been up and down with, with injuries and stuff. Are the Braves going to make try to make some sort of a splash? Or are they going to go big finally in, in a year where, you know, in a National League to, to to our point, everybody in the National League Central top to bottom are like five and five teams right now. So who knows what's gonna happen there. Um and in the West, to everybody's point, the Dodgers are the are the best regular season team in baseball. Will the Braves make a move, Jeff? Do you do you think they will?
2: They need to. If they I don't think so. they they need they need pitching. They have right. a, an incredible defense. They have an incredible offense. They need pitching, and they they don't need a guy to kind of fill in the rotation. They need a top of the line starter, which I don't know that they could really get right now. But uh, that's what they, they need.
1: need. They at least need a number three guy at the very worst, uh, a number two guy from somebody else's team. Because to your point, yeah. I don't know they're going to get any number ones. But they I mean, just, they sort of have a number done. one.
0: I mean, they 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 have someone who could qualify as a number one,
1: right? I'm saying going and getting somebody else's number one. I yeah, there's going to be anybody out there that they're going to they're going to want to spend the money on, and that they feel in a strike, not strike. Good lord, a COVID shortened season. Is this a year that you want to go big? And I mean, there are two schools of thought. There is how does that affect you in the future because this is the asterisk asterisked season, or. Do you look at it as an opportunity? That's just a big question for me. What the what the Braves choose? Don't to
0: do. don't you don't you boys think that the Braves are in their window right now? I think they're in their window. To your point, John, that minor league system has been paying off for the last three years with with the Atlanta organization, and those players are you know for the last two years have played very well, and it's time they make a run. It's time they. Win a postseason series. It's time. It, this is their window, right? In my opinion, it's, so I think they need. I think they need to get a starter, at the very least, it, a a guy who can at, at at the very worst give them innings, keep them in games until the sixth inning, and uh so, the, so they can so they can be ready for the postseason.
2: They're in the peak I of think, the Freddie Freeman era. So if they yeah. want to get something done in what would be considered the Freddie Freeman era. They need to do it quickly but i mean they have they have young kids that that th- i i don't think they're i don't think they're anywhere near the end of a window i think they're more in the beginning of a window, which is scary because they're so good but with their young uh infielder albies and uh yeah. Akuna in the outfield they, they they're going exactly. to be they're going to be good for a, for a decent amount of time but they They need they need a pitcher for now if they want to win. Now they do have a couple arms. I know that Ian Anderson came up and pitched a couple nights ago and looked really good. They they have a couple arms that they've drafted in the last few years that I think will will give them top front of the line starters in the future. But if they want if they want to win during what I would consider the Freddie Freeman area, they need to they need to get somebody now.
0: Yeah, I just and, well, and, and I agree with you. I don't. They're not at the end of their window, that's for right. sure. But they are in their window right now. They are yeah, I in their the window. W- w- yeah, and, and, and you're and, right, Jeff. That that you know they'll they'll be in the window probably for a while. But you're right; they need to take advantage of when Freddie Freeman's at his peak.
2: Yeah, they. Yeah, they, and,
1: and it, oh, go uh,
2: go ahead. But they, Sorry, I was going so say, so like hard. Austin Riley they 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 have they have some really good bats. They and they have young pitchers that will come up. I mean, you never know with pitchers. They. They they don't they don't typically uh, the the you draft three really high prospect pitchers and you're lucky if one of them is what they're supposed to be. So we'll see what happens, but they need a proven frontline starter if they want to make a deep run in the playoffs.
0: And, you know, Philadelphia has been playing well. And they tied, actually. Miami, or I think they are still tied with Miami for the three second both place.
1: Three, they're both three behind, right? Yeah, they're both three and, behind the Braves, and yeah.
0: they've been playing well. And I think the Braves just beat the uh, the Phillies, uh, twelve to ten. <laughs> so well, we're that's the a, that's the,
2: it's funny that that it doesn't get brought up. But I I said earlier that this uh, having to face three guys was going to expose bad bullpens, and those are two teams that have been exposed. They have horrible bullpens. They've gotta they've gotta make it deep and a lot of the starting pitchers aren't going deep. They've gotta make it deep so they don't have to depend on that bullpen, but the nationals bullpen last year was terrible and they won the World Series, so you can do and it. That's-
0: that is, but it doesn't happen often, and that's yeah. sort of anathema to uh, postseason success is having a bad bullpen. And, and that, by the that's way, what the Padres are doing is trying to shore that up, and, and, and maybe that's what the Braves do. They don't get one big splash. They, they shore up with like two or three situational guys.
2: The Nationals leaned on that bullpen to win that World Series, and they did show up and play. They brought so they in,
0: were there when it mattered most,
2: right? I mean, I, they brought in their they brought in Patrick Corbin as a reliever. I think was the only starter they brought in a reliever, unless they did it once with Anibal Sanchez. But they uh, they brought him in and he got crushed, and that was the end of that. It was back. Okay, well, we'll just stick with our relievers then.
0: Yeah, because I, it seems to me that in every game in the postseason, with the exception of the Cardinals series where they s- sort of were in control the entire time, but against the Dodgers and against the Astros. Seemed like every game they were behind, and they yeah. needed their bullpen to hold to hold. You know the the deficit to where it was, so they could kind of get their self, get themselves together, and uh, obviously their bullpen did do that. So I, w- I would be remiss if I did not mention that the Yankees are
1: falling like a rock in water. So I just want to—they're three and seven, I believe, over the last ten, and that's you know twenty twenty. It's been yeah, it's been, but been I, I think, but a I think won three in a row though. it. So the three and seven is they're three, three and seven, Mark, they're, Shut up. They're three and seven. <laughs> they're Again, three uh, and seven. And by uh, the way, in that same span of time, the Tampa
0: Bay Rays are eight and two. No, I agree. They are. They have fallen in the standings. And but I think they've righted themselves a little bit with the last three games. But to your point in the last 10, yes, they're they're yes. horrible. They haven't, haven't righted anything. Letty
1: Rowe, uh, Rowe pointing out that the uh, the Marlins are the best road team in baseball. They've played seven road games. No, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> and Joe Connolly pointed out that he's a homer because he thinks Astros-Dodgers. Astros,
1: Astros, no chance. I'll take that bet.
2: Yeah, I would take that one too.
1: No chance Astros-Dodgers. You know, it's funny, though, know, I mentioned the... Uh, I, I I joked about the National League Central, and it's uh, the only team over 500 in, in the last 10 games is Pittsburgh Pirates, and I believe they're 36 games out, 35 games into the season. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's just... Uh, there there's a lot of 500 baseball being played by teams right now well, well and the,
0: and the new the new uh playoff format you know you take the top two teams from every division regardless right. so uh in the, the the second place team in the National League Central are are the Cardinals still at this point in time and they're they're under 500 they're 12 and 13 So that's
1: 2020. That's 2020 right there. I'm going to stop you right there. That's 2020. We're going to go through this really cool tournament, and the freaking Cardinals are going to win the World
0: Series. No. And it's going
1: to be miserable, and we're all going to
0: hate baseball, and we're never going to watch again. I will hate baseball if the Cardinals. I hated it last year when they beat the Braves. They shouldn't have beaten the Braves. You're right. In the division series. It would have been a much more fun series if it were the Nationals – you know, the NLCS, the Nationals, and the Braves would have been a lot more fun. You yeah. know, NL East rivals and the, and the like. I know you were you both were happy that the Cardinals made it pass because the Cardinals were not that good. They got lucky against the Braves. But isn't well, uh, that they, they,
2: they exposed the Braves' weakness, which was pitching, because if I'm not mistaken, that uh, game, that last game of that series, the Cardinals put up 13 runs in the first two innings, something like that. It was something obnoxious. Yeah, it was,
1: yeah, it was over. I think it was over before I turned it on actually. That was one of those where I got to it late and it was already over.
2: Yeah. But yeah, it's right, 2020. Let's... Is there any other
1: I know, I know you're trying to move it along, Mark, and we're at an hour. But is there any other worst-case scenario as a baseball fan than a 500 Cardinal team backing their way into the playoffs and 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 all of these fun teams that we could have? Look at the look at the American
0: League Central. Well, the American Johnson. League is really fun because everyone's well over 500. Everyone that would make the playoffs is well over 500. You've got the White Sox in there. You've you got the Twins in there. That's a lot of fun. You've got Tampa Bay. You've got Oakland and Houston. Houston will make a run. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, so... You can't count them out.
1: Yeah, play. by the way, the twins aren't in the playoffs if they start today. Uh because no, I, uh, think, I think they still are. Oh, it's a wild yeah, they could get into the wild card yes. because that the top three Cleveland, Chicago, and Minnesota in that in the American League Central. I mean, that's gonna be that that's that's the fun battle right now in uh in divisional and, play.
0: Yeah, and Toronto and Minnesota would would qualify. So it'd be Tampa Bay, New York, and Toronto in the east, Cleveland, Chicago, and Minnesota in in the central, and and Oakland and Houston in the west. That's That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. I don't know if I'd be disappointed with any of those teams making it to the World Series, including the Yankees. I think maybe Houston would disappoint me the most because it's like they've been to two in a row. I don't need to see it again. I don't need to see it again. And we're going to question it. it. And, yeah, I don't care about it. Sorry, Joe Con- Connelly, but I don't want to see the Astros. But I wouldn't mind the Yankees. I'd like to, to see the Yankees. I know you hate the Yankees, John, but it's always good for baseball. I would love to see a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. I really would.
1: I said early on I'd be okay with that for the historical implications of it and, you know, the two most storied franchises. I don't even think that's arguable in uh, in Major League Baseball. Uh, so, yeah, I would. I would even be okay with that. But I would not be okay with the – 26 and 34 (laughs) Uh, St. Louis Cardinals somehow, and they may have won more than 26 games at this point, but somehow getting in there, and it's just to me, that's the ultimate boredom. Uh, uh, That would would just be, it would be a disaster. It might be the worst thing that's happened this year.
0: I agree. It would be up there. It would be up there. I mean, I don't want to see, I mean, even Colorado would be fine. San Diego would be San love Diego it. would be fun. Milwaukee oh, lucky. would be okay. Come on. You know, Miami would be fun. Phil, I would like love to see the Phillies making it in there. Why not? Oh, All of that would be that's, fun. That's, I know you that's don't that's care tough, for the Phillies. Tough. I have a soft spot for Philadelphia. Okay, let's get back to progressive trivia. Let's go ahead and move the show along and go no. ahead and give the answer, John. There it is. I don't want to go presenters. back to
1: my life. I don't want to go back to my life, so I hear let's you. not move it along.
0: I hear you. Well, I have a I have Delivery from ABC coming to your house, John, because I know you're going through it. So, Ooh. excellent. Not, not gin soaked. Really. Barroom Queen, yes, yes. She comes with it. She comes with the delivery. Outstanding. She's from Memphis.
1: Bombay well. Sapphire with some gin soaked Barroom Queen from Memphis. Try to take me upstairs for a while. I don't even have an
0: upstairs. So, hell, <laughs> I mean, that is looking up. It's that's pretty fun. You don't even have it upstairs and she's trying to take you there. I tell you what, I remember covering the chicks
1: in Memphis and a gin-soaked barroom queen <laughs> took me upstairs for a while. I had to heave her right across my shoulder and I just can't seem to drink her off my mind. Oh, Lopes tries to pull a square up the bunt, misses the pitch.
0: I do love that. I Why do Why is it love always that. Davey Lopes? Why I is mean, Davey Lopes always the D- guy? Davey Lopes, Davey Lopes, and Ron Say always are at bat. <laughs> I refuse to say Garvey because I know. like that or Russell. Russell was a, Russell was NICU. He wasn't even a clam. He was just NICU. I always love Lopes. I always had a you know Say was kind of a got on your nerves, but he was pretty fun to watch.
1: Russell All always right. looked like Russell always looked like the illustration in a kid's book about baseball. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, here, here's major leaguer Bill Russell. Hello, yeah. kids. Just yeah. never cared for Russell. Never would pick up a check. <laughs> Saw him dine and dash many times. Left Reggie Smith with a $2,000 bill one night at the Rainbow after they went to see Crocus. There's
0: Ron Say steps out of the box. Sorry. Wow, just just throwing <laughs> I love it. He just throws Dodgers under the bus. It was Ron Rennickey for a long time. He hates Bill Ron. Russell. Bill, I just love right, Bill
1: Russell and Reggie Smith at the rainbow going to see Crocus. Yes.
0: No, I mean that's those references are perfect. I love it. Right, Reggie sorry. Smith. Underrated. There's another, there's another Incredibly guy underrated deserving player. of a deep dive. Talk 700 about winning percentage. His first 38 games in the league it was actually his first 40. He was 28 and 12, believe it or not. No Pro Bowls. That's interesting. 80 plus career touchdowns. So over for 10,000, over 10,000 yards in college for Nevada. Keep going. No 30 father. something uh, draft pick. 36th, actually, early second round. Over 2,000. Uh, whoops. Um, 170 plus uh, sacks. His career, double digit postseason touchdowns. He had six. Postseason games, and that includes rush, rushing touchdowns as well as passing touchdowns. Played with three head coaches: uh, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Tom Sula, and Chip Kelly. <sighs> Played with Colt McCoy and Reggie Bush because you know why wouldn't he? Over two thousand rushing yards for his career, I think closer to twenty five hundred. NFL playoff record four and two, and then the last twenty four games he was four and twenty, a one sixty five winning percentage. Just sad. The whole thing is very sad. Colin Kaepernick, although, you know, his legacy in the National Football League I think is uh certainly Kurt Flutish. Yeah. I mean, way outweighs his contributions on the field, but if you take those first those first 40 games, he was a phenomenon very and if special. He, and if he came into the league now, coached by the kind of coaches we we talked about this with Robert Griffin III, if if Kaepernick came in with those skills now, right. he may have been able to sustain that success, although 28 and 12 is a lot to sustain, but he could—he certainly would have gone 4 and 20 in the last 24 games.
1: Yeah, I, it's funny, you know, when you talk about uh, the NFL being uh, slow to move, and it really, really is, it, it took them years to look down at their minor league college football and see that these run-pass option quarterbacks were the thing that was happening, and not just You know, off programs that never win anything that are just trying to come up with, you know, it's not like uh, the Kentucky offense that um, that that they had with Tim Couch, where it was like, if you really did your homework, you realize they weren't really running an offense that was preparing him for the NFL and a little gimmicky. Um, This is what football was becoming. The big programs were doing run pass were were uh, instituting run pass option offenses. So it took a long time for the NFL to realize, Hey, this is where the funnel of talent, this is what they can do. We need to adapt to that. They still kept looking for the prototype, which is Brian leaf was the prototype for a long time. Right. And I don't want to, I don't want to pile on Ryan leaf, but I mean, a guy who's six, 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 five, and can throw the ball through a big ball. arm. Yeah. There'll always be room for that in the NFL. But Jim Druckenmiller. Right. Absolutely. Um, out of Virginia Tech. Yep. Um, it, boy, it's just, there has to be, every, every reference has to be a San Francisco <laughs> reference. It's like in Mark's brain, you can just see it going around. I need, I need a big, immobile, strong arm quarterback who wasn't successful. Jim Druckenmiller. <laughs> um, what does this say? What does this say? Does this say something about me or you or or us? Um, I had forgotten. I had remembered that Jim Tom Sula was a coach for the 49ers. Yeah,
0: I'd forgotten that chip. Kelly was. It was a very forgettable time. It It really was. was. It was one and out, by the way. Yeah. And 14 and they jettisoned him right away. And he was, I mean, boy, you talk about a precipitous fall from
1: a yeah. position uh, for a guy who was, you know, I don't blame Philadelphia for signing him at all. He was he was well known, just like I don't blame Dan. I blame Dan Snyder for many, many things, including world hunger and, and animal abuse. Um, but I don't blame him for hiring Steve Spurrier because everybody wanted to do it. It just didn't work. Um, I don't blame anybody for for Chip Kelly. But I literally he is so off my radar. Yeah. As a football coach at this point, I didn't remember that he was coach of the Forty ers
0: He was ten and six for his first two years in Philadelphia. Yeah. So he, he started off pretty well, and I don't know. I just think it was a little bit. It just didn't hold. It just couldn't hold. It was more gimmicky, his stuff. Yeah,
1: and he, and 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 it wasn't seeming. You know, I think a lot it of couldn't people be felt
0: sustained. It couldn't be sustained,
1: and a lot of people felt that to have success in the NFL with that, you were going to have to turn it into somewhat of a hybrid. System, and he either didn't have enough time to do that, or didn't have the talent to do that, or you know, the organization, organizationally, general managers, uh, assistant. I think he was the general manager as well, coach and general manager, and uh, assistant coaches. They just were not prepared to do the work necessary, and maybe didn't even know what it was to to turn that Oregon offense. Into a hybrid offense that would work in the NFL, but I just it just shocked me there when I was thinking of the three head coaches for Kaepernick, I never would have come up with you.
2: I, it's funny too because the it seems like those co- guys that do really well in college with a gimmick when they get to the NFL they are given player decision like because Spurrier was able to make the decisions on the players as well. And it's not like recruiting kids. It's not like going around nope. and recruiting kids. You're you're basically trying to find the right men that are good enough to compete in the NFL to place into those positions. I just don't think it's the same thing. Hey, if I had to if I had to ask you guys, how big of sellers do you think the Marlins have become in this uh MLB what did you call it? A a faux trade a faux yeah, the trade trading deadline. Yeah.
1: The mythical trading deadline. How
2: big of sellers do you think they've become? That's not not at all. They're buyers. They have just traded for Starling Marte from the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Marlins are buyers at the trade there. I,
0: I love it. I and mean, I they've been it, sellers for how long, John? 45, 50 years now? Uh,
1: 56 years. Uh, day before yesterday, that team was, uh, was actually commissioned. I don't even know if you're commissioned in the thing. That's really interesting, Jeff, because I think it goes back to that question. In, in this truncated season, in this 60-game season, Do teams, even teams that are winning, like the Braves, have to make a determination? Do we do anything in this asterisk? It's so hard to say. Season, or or do we not? I love that the Marlins have said, you know, hey, it may be an anomaly, but I
2: I think what happened with the Marlins is they they uh, they knew they had young talent, they knew that they had some good pieces there after, and they knew they were going to be able to pay them. And uh, Sixto Sanchez comes in this season and looks like a world beater. And now they're like, okay, we have a number one starter. We can do this. So I think they're mm. going to try to bring in. And Marte's not a, not a kid anymore, but he's a young guy who's an all-star, Play center field, which is a need they had. So I'm interested. I yeah, don't like, I,
1: me too. I me too. too. And it, does it push the Braves? Does it push the Atlanta Braves? Very well could. I, you know what the Marlins need? Marlins need to pile a bunch of guys on a bus and take them to a strip club and uh, get all coroned up. Come back and uh, miss a couple just weeks play. worth of games. A couple it's, weeks worth of games. They're they're in first place. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about it.
0: I think that's a good pile them in a bus.
1: Pile <laughs> them in a bus. Strip.
2: Well, from and from go to a from the look of Sixto Sanchez, they can event. they can just have him come out and play and have a pretty good <laughs> chance of at least tying zero to zero. <laughs> it's a good point. By
0: that's the way, point. Chip Kelly to kind of go for full circle at UCLA the last two years: three and nine, and four and eight. Yeah, so but he that, clearly, his star has clearly I, descended. But
2: but when you go back into college like that, you, it takes three years. You have three recruiting classes before it's yeah, your but team, you, and
0: you don't want to go
1: to UCLA. I, yeah, you don't. That's but they just remember, they don't have facilities. They, everybody says they've the worst facilities in the uh, in the Pac-12, which is just stupid. But it's just not a priority for them. Um, yeah. And the winning years at UCLA are the exception. As UCLA alumnus. Uh, Mark Ferrera knows it's that's it, they just don't care, and any any knowledgeable college football guy will tell you that their facilities are bad. They just they pale in comparison to Colorado and Arizona State and all of these, uh, and they've had traditional success out there. But uh, UCLA is a bad place to end up if you're a head coach. It's a graveyard.
2: Yeah, he still yeah. he still could have more success than he's having now in a couple of years when he's got his actual guys that he's recruited and been able to pull in there.
0: He won't be there in two more years. Probably not. Uh, Yeah, I think he's there this year. But I I think Spurrier Spurrier didn't have that kind of horrible success or horrible failures when he first went to South Carolina when he came back. No, he did well, actually. No, I was actually
2: surprised he didn't.
0: Yeah, he ended up winning 11 games three years in a row. But that was into his tenure, to your point, Jeff. However... He didn't start out three and nine with them. No, then, but he went to South Carolina. That that's a eight.
2: much different. He went to a school that that already had some talent sitting there. UCLA, you think UCLA
0: would be in as at least as good a position as a South Carolina. No, right South now.
2: Carolina is a South Carolina is a school that's that's been competitive in the uh, in the SEC for forever. They're well, not on and off. They don't they win it. They,
0: that's, that's, they won zero games. They were the whole only competitive year. in the last 20 years when those when Steve Spurrier won 11 games three years in a row. That was it. Really? They that had is. players come out, certainly. Yeah, they oh. had a
1: couple of years where they were 7 a bowl-eligible bowl, bowl team, but, uh, they, uh, but they've been a better program over the last 20 years in UCLA. There's no doubt about that.
2: Mark's getting angry. Is he? Did he lose something? I think he might
0: have no, lost. No, I'm, I'm. not. i pondering his thoughts. No, I, I. I've been waiting. He doesn't
1: cheer them. for Jeff. He doesn't cheer for. No, he no, went no, to UCLA and he doesn't cheer for. Well, him. there's nothing Trust to cheer me. for.
0: If, no. if, if UCLA is really playing isn't. USC, no. Mark's I, cheering for USC. Yeah. There were delays. That's why I was. That's why you ah. thought I was being. No, I was. I was waiting for the responses. All right. So it now see we're already at one. What one sixteen? We're already at one sixteen, John. All right, we. Okay. we all right. We can move on. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just wrap it up if you want. No, no, no. I want to talk a little bit about the Steagles.
1: All right. Um, it, it is a really, really interesting story. Um, and, and what is interesting about it to me is uh, some of the pressure that was put on. I mentioned this before. Some of the pressure that was put on these players. And uh, I, I mentioned that one of the members of the Steagles just quit because he couldn't take it anymore. Because during the war, you know, anybody who wasn't in uniform was suspect during the Second World War. And uh you were really suspect if you were 4F and you were playing a professional sport. I think most people felt that if you're playing professional sport, you could um, you could be in, in uniform. But beginning 41, 40, 41, 42, when they started to reinstitute the draft in I think 40 uh 41, you had to register in 40, 41, first year that uh, reinstituted the draft. There were uh, the parameters for an acceptable uh, recruit were much greater. You had to have now. And I swear to God, I am not making this up. You had to have twelve teeth. You had to have uh, six sets of uh, matching teeth. So you had to have twelve teeth. Eventually, that went away. You just had to be able to be fitted for dentures. Um, more importantly, early on, um, if you were a father, if you were head of household you could get out of playing. And uh, the most successful teams in uh, 1942, uh, the Washington Redskins and the Chicago Bears, had the most players who had children, and that was one of the reasons. Eventually that went away. The father draft, which we will talk about, came into play and uh, was one of the reasons that the Eagles and Steelers could not field a team. Um, But it's, it's a really interesting story there are going to be names steve spurrier's name will be mentioned because he has a connection with the steagles um also very interesting and i did not know this so i'm going to bury the lead a little bit i had no idea that burt bell who would become the commissioner of the nfl and was the longtime owner of the philadelphia eagles at one point traded his franchise and co-owned the pittsburgh steelers with um with art rooney and um Alexis Thompson, who we'll, we'll talk about a little, uh, bon vivant of of mythic proportions, um, owned, owned the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Just just a lot of really, really interesting stories. A couple of other teams, the Cardinals and the Bears, uh, wanted to merge and the NFL wouldn't allow it. Um, the, the guys who, who tried to scuttle the success of the league for their own individual success are all of the same names, George, Preston, Marshall. Um, so we'll get into we'll get into all that. It, it is a really, really great story. Really fun. And uh, uh, inc- while not unique, because Pittsburgh and, and the Chicago Cardinals would merge the next year when the Eagles could field enough teams. But it is the uh, it, it's the most important story of the NFL in World War Two, in my in my estimation, because if it doesn't happen, the league. What,
0: what were they called? Really?
1: Yes, that was the, there was a huge fear that that was the case.
0: So what were they called the next year when the Steelers and the Cardinals merged? Because the Steagles is a,
1: which unofficial, which is an unofficial name. The Steagles was an unofficial name. They were, uh, I think it was, uh, and I probably should be able to bring this up, but I will write it down. So I remember they are either Phil Pitt or Pitt, Phil, they they did, did not have a team name because greasy Neal, the coach of the, uh, of the Eagles yeah. demanded that they be called the Eagles, and they had to wear Eagles uniforms. Um, and uh, when they went to Pittsburgh, they were they were the like the card pit or pit card. They didn't wow. really figure out that. No. They weren't really good at that branding thing no. back then. Most they, NFL teams got their names by taking the same name as teams as baseball teams. Sure. That's why there were the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Pittsburgh Pirates initially. Uh,
0: and the uh, the New York I think the New York uh, There were
1: two New York Giants. Yankees. There were two then New, then York, were New Yankee York Yankees. Teams. Yes. Two exactly. that were that were separate organizations in the
0: 30s and the 40s. So Burt Bell, by the way, Burt Bell, Burt Bell has the honor of having the worst winning percentage of any coach in NFL history. Yeah, he coached the Steelers. Well, yeah, he coached the Steelers one year, but only for two games, right. two losses. 1 in 10 for Philadelphia, 1 9 and 1. 5 and 6 that was a you know a banner year Two eight, one, 17 Hall one, of Famers on that 5 and 16 1 and 11 <laughs> 10 46 and 2 Burt Bell so what do you do with a coach that has the worst winning percentage of any coach in NFL history before or after you make him commissioner yeah
1: you you make Burt Bell commissioner it's funny because he was 0 and 2 with that Pittsburgh uh with with the Steelers and I believe it was uh he was discussing with Art Rooney what, what, what are we going to do? I guess Art Rooney said, have you considered a coaching change? <laughs> and that's exactly what they ended up doing. It's a fun story. And again, the names that pop up, Ali Sherman, guys that, uh, yeah. uh, I really did not expect. Um, you know, any any that. NFL guy, any NFL coach or, um, executive that, you know, who had a perforated eardrum, one eye, uh, flat feet, there's Steagle. you used to be able to military for flat feet for right. god's sake not sure why i have flat feet i i mean obviously i can't do anything physically exertive but that's just cuz i treat my body like a rodeo but i mean when in my 20s flat feet why would that have kept me out of the infantry i don't know makes no sense
2: it, hey right, well, it, hey I, john will probably know this but Interesting trivia question. You know who Steve Spurrier took over for when he got to South Carolina? Who the head coach was before him? Was it uh, Lou Holtz? It was Lou Holtz. Wow, look yeah, at that. It, that's what I said.
1: Lou Holtz went winless. Yeah. I believe in his first season at South Carolina. He did, but he it, I think he got up to 9 wins which was
2: his most successful. He did. He turned he was coach around of the they year. They had a couple of decent years under
1: Brad Scott, too. He was, yeah. He was
2: coach but, yeah, of the yeah, year under under uh, in 2000 at uh, South Carolina.
0: Yeah, they had um What, nine wins in 2000, 2001, something like that? Uh, Anyway, uh, I have an idea for a deep dive. I want to get your opinions on this. This is about a season. Now, i kind of going off of your thing, John. This is about a a particular year, and I'm going to concentrate on the four major sports, or at least I'm thinking about it. And it's one year, and it's a very fun year in terms of the regular season with all the four sports. Give me a give me a decade and see if I can guess. 80s. And that first of all, I wanted to do something that was you know, within the last 35 or within the last 40 years. We haven't touched anything within the last 40 years. Mm. Um that was my first thing. It's like let's you know, we do something a bit more recent. So this is this year with the really fun regular season and the most lopsided losses the most lopsided finals in all four sports 88 no not 88 because remember in 88 that was a very tight super bowl with the niners and the bengal's but very Jay- tight
1: oh what no then 80 85 uh, what was the denver what was the denver
0: san francisco was that 80 that was 89 89 89 is not bad because there was a sweep of the a's and the giants right it was a horrible lost there and i don't know about 89 with the uh 89 could be the year that the pistons swept the lakers i don't know and i don't know what the hockey situation was but the year i'm t- and that's a that's a good guess cuz the super bowl was garbage the gar- it was it was 45 points it was but this one had a wasn't that close this had, year year had a uh, a super bowl blowout the world series uh, losing team won one game, and both the NBA and the NHL were four-game-to-nothing sweeps. So one game you win in NHL, baseball, and the NBA, and then a 28-point defeat blowout in the Super Bowl. 84? 83. 83. I'm super, 84 Super Bowl. It's super Bowl 84, yeah. So we'll see. And I'll look at 89 because Great. I was lo- I was looking at a lot of other years. And if And if 89 can compete with it, then I'm gonna have to abandon. I'm gonna have to abandon that idea. Eighty-three, of course. Yeah, Sorry, Johnny. Yeah, Sorry. Great. Yeah.
1: Wonderful. Only America's game I've never watched. Well, the eighty-three Los Angeles Raiders. Good God. Oh my Lord. But nah, we'll see.
0: No, I get it. I, I might not it, I do guess. it though. I might not do it. It's over. You know, I I have over two weeks to figure this thing out. But uh, sneaks we'll see. up on you, Mark. We'll see. Sneaks up on you. It'll be the Tuesday All right, before so that does
1: it'll be the tuesday before it'll be the tuesday before and you'll be going uh, i'm still I'm, i don't know it's between 83 and 89 uh, uh, i'll compare the two that's what i'll do
0: i'll have to look at 89 as well if it, if it rivals 83 then it doesn't make any sense i thought this was a, a year that stood out and it may not even stand out among the years in the decade all right for jeff taylor john pelkey I'm Mark Ferreira. We'll be back on Wednesday. And remember, our deep dive on the Seagulls is on Friday. Be safe, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.